Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the keys to discover real connections and one-of-a-kind experiences. It all starts with expert itineraries where everything is taken care of. With Trafalgar, your money goes further, and so do you. Unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com slash unlock. That's T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R dot com slash unlock. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a special episode of Broncos Blitz here, partnership with Mile High Sports. I'm Cody Rourke, joined alongside Swipa, our Denver sports analyst at Mile High Sports. You see him on Denver Nuggets stuff with Ryan Blackburn. You're going to get him all season long here with myself, Cody Rourke. And Swipa, NFL free agency is here. It's already been a wild couple of days with the legal negotiating period. It used to be called the legal tampering period, but uh, everything's set. Like while we're doing the show live, like we are just about 40 minutes away from the start of the new league year officially. So everything we've seen agreed upon will be official, man. I'm excited to break down the Broncos with you here this season, my man. Yeah, bro, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Cody, you made a lot of great content, really, man, since I first discovered you just doing and doing Locked On. So a uh, big shout-out to you, man. Really, really happy to join you in doing this. And I think with what you're seeing just in the early onset of free agency for the Denver Broncos, there's going to be a lot of storylines to talk about how is this going to affect not just Russell Wilson and the offense, but the direction of the Broncos, where are they going? And then also with the defense, how can continue to build around the pieces they already have? So, man, we've got a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about as we get ready for the draft and stuff as well. Man, it's going to be a lot of excellent football. Yeah, I mean, George Payton is uh, trying to figure out what he's going to do as they go through free agency here, but then preparing for the NFL draft. And then shortly after the draft, because Denver has a brand new head coach, they're going to hit some of the OTAs a little bit earlier than most teams usually do. Then minicamp's going to be here. There's going to be a little bit of a layoff. And then it's training camp. So, I mean, just as much as the season just ended, it's just about to begin as well. And so we'll break down everything here, Mile High Sports. I mean, with that said, let's talk about this. You know, Sean Payton coming in as the next head coach for Denver it is a different vibe in terms of how the operation is being conducted than it was with Nathaniel Hackett last season. It seems like George Payton, Sean Payton, I mean, they are in sync with one another. And the way that they're starting to build this team in NFL free agency, it's very evident that, hey, this could be a very beneficial relationship between the two parties. Yeah, and I can already see a little bit of a theme that's developing uh, with Coach Payton, and, you know, he wants to be big up front. Um, he's gotten rid of a couple of large contracts already. And, you know, Ronald Darby, he's actually having a really good year uh, last year, Cody, before that injury. And so it makes sense uh, why they had to cut bait with that. But I think a lot of this comes down to there's a clear identity. You know, we want to get big up front with Zach Allen, with, with Mike McGlinchey. We want to make sure that we're getting ours there at that left card position. We want to make sure that we're surrounding Russell Wilson, which is what help is possible. And what's like, what I love is that remember when Sean Payton talked about this, even before, right before he took the job, that he wants to get Russell to a point where he's comfortable, where he can step into the pocket. He knows that he's secure, that they got the big boys around him that are protecting him. And then you get somebody like Samaj P. Ryan, one of the best pass-blocking backs in the NFL. Look, clear identity, clear emphasis now. I'm very curious to see what they do with the wide receiver position because now we got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton that are potentially on the trade block. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I don't want to say like buckle up for a ride because I think the words like buckle up, you hear that and you hear Sean Payton say buck them. You hear, you know, for the ride, you hear let's ride. I know that's a, a traumatic term in Broncos country. I mean, these are moves right here, Swiper, that, that tell me that Denver is hell bent. I put an article out of milehighsports.com about this. 
they are really trying to build this team and the offense specifically to be a run it down your throat, power running style of offensive system that will open up things in the passing game. And then I, I know a lot of people say, well, that wasn't necessarily how it was with Drew Brees. No, it, it was that way. You know, Drew Brees, I think, had more success in New Orleans because they had a very strong running game. They had an emphasis yeah. around that. And when Drew Brees went out with an injury and they still had Taysom Hill, Remember when Denver uh, played the Saints back in 2020? It was the COVID year. Yeah. Yes, the Kendall Hinton game. Denver's defense was still pretty damn good that year. Taysom Hill, they just had a power running attack with Latavius Murray, and they just ran it down Denver's throat that game. Sean Payton wants to get this offensive identity back to that. And Swipa, you have a lot of experience as a former football player. You know, you've been around the game. You've been coached by some really great coaches as well, You know, as you've played in your career. Same alongside here. You win in the trenches. That's the theme that mm-hmm. we've seen. What did Kansas City do really well in the Super Bowl against Philadelphia? They ran the ball pretty well there with right. the Isaiah Pacheco. The, and on the flip side, the Eagles, they made it to the Super Bowl because they are such a good running football team as well, mm-hmm. and it opened up the passing game. Denver needs to get back to that. But ultimately, these moves also take, I think, a little bit of the pressure off of Russell Wilson's shoulders from having to feel like he has to do everything. Right. You know what sticks out to me? There's four names in particular with Sean Payton. A uh, Deuce McAllister. And then you got you got Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, and then on top of that, Mark Ingram. And again, Deuce McAllister was a very good Pro Bowl level running back. And then you got Alvin Kamara and you get Mark Ingram. One was a first round pick, one was a third pick. But then again, all pro player at Alvin. Those players helped to maximize what Drew Brees did well, and this doesn't even include Reggie Bush. So there has been a continuation of strong run game that supported multiple 5,000-yard seasons from Drew Brees, one of the most accurate passers, if not the most, in NFL history, and then touchdowns and touchdowns, high-octane offenses. But they were fortified by great offensive line play and a great, consistent running game. Now you see Javante Williams, he comes back fully healthy, and then you have an opportunity to pair him with Samajay, and then whoever he had, maybe through the draft, maybe through free agency with some other names on the wire. There's a clear identity, and I think that this is going to set up the Denver Broncos for long-term success on top of having Jared Stidham coming in as a two-year backup QB deal, which I think also is going to be a very underrated signing for the Denver Broncos. I want to get your thoughts on, on Jarrett Sidham here because when that news, I mean, that was one of the first quarterback moves to happen in NFL free agency. I was a little surprised about Jarrett Stidham, but then again, I remember, look, he's a young guy. He's got the ability to learn even more, yeah. right? And what better way than to come into a coaching staff? Now, granted, Davis Webb, you know, is going to be his quarterback coach. But Sean Payton is going to have his fingerprints all over the Broncos quarterbacks. He's going to work with them. I think learning from a guy like Payton, who's emphasized player development, look, you know, yeah, he's had Drew Brees for a good portion of his coaching tenure. But, you know, when you have a system that that benefits what your quarterback does well, you know, you can teach and you can mold a young guy behind him. He wanted to leave Las Vegas, obviously, with Jimmy Garoppolo going there with Josh McDaniels. We'll see how that all works out. I was surprised at this initially, but I could also see because there's some upside. I mean, he came in the first game that Derek Carr was out, you know, due to being benched by McDaniels. I mean, he lit up the NFL's number one defense, the San Francisco 49ers, for three touchdowns over 300 yards. Like it was a it was a big surprise for me. There are some things there, but the hope is, as always, you never want your backup quarterback to have to play in the regular season. So you can mold the guy behind Russell Wilson if all things go well in terms of protecting him, which Russ was sacked 55 times. You include Brett Rippon's games that he played. I mean, Denver quarterbacks were sacked 63 total times last season. Swipe, that's way too much, man. And I'm glad that Russell was kind of as bulky as he was last year because 
he took some shots, man. And granted, mm-hmm. not every sack was on the O-line. Not every sack was on Russ. It was a combination of the two there. You have to find a way to keep that position upright. I mean, that's the way you win in the NFL. Yeah, and, you know, for Broncos fans who aren't familiar with Jarrett Stidham, so, Cody, I was actually at Baylor when Jarrett Stidham walked through the doors as a freshman, and he was the number two dual-threat quarterback that walked into the nation that year. Tremendous athlete, extremely smart, great arm talent, and a really, really good dude. So I think when you get the fact that that's a young player that left Baylor, went to Auburn, had some success, came into the NFL, and he's had to learn the position I think this is the best situated the Denver Broncos have been at the back of quarterback position in several years. And given the fact that you've had an injury concern with Russell. Now, historically, Russell hasn't gotten hurt often. But really, in the last two years, last year with the Seattle Seahawks and then last year with Russell, you want to make sure that you have somebody there that in case he does get nicked up, in case he gets a concussion, just in case he has to miss a game for any reason whatsoever, you have somebody that can support that. So... Having Sean Payton be able to pour into an athlete at the position like that, who's had really, really good key football games in his early career so far, I think this is going to make a lot of momentum toward not just the Broncos being better situated. I think this is going to help Russell Wilson as well. Well, and another thought to that as well, and I'm eager for your thoughts on this. We saw in the NFL playoffs, specifically in the first round, the NFC, we saw uh, Brock Purdy go down with an injury. We saw Josh Johnson go down. In your opinion, should the NFL maybe make a roster exemption for the regular season where you can have another quarterback on your active roster that doesn't necessarily count towards your 53, so it's like a game day elevation in the event you run into a situation where you lose both quarterbacks? Because I'll tell you this, nobody is paying to see Brandon McManus as an emergency quarterback in Denver. That would be awful. Right. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's really going to come to the committee, the fair play committee, and how they're deciding, like, you know, what's best – What's most important is give you an unfair, unfair competitive advantage. Because that way, if you do have three quarterbacks on your roster, you know, are they going to be able to, you're going to be able to get them off the practice squad? Like, you know, how is that stuff going to work? They definitely got to put some of those rules in place. But I can definitely understand the sentiment. But I also want to say what happens to San Francisco, losing Jimmy and then losing Brock Purdy and then Josh got hurt, that just doesn't happen. So I think the thing is that was really like Trey. Trey and then Trey Lance, four quarterbacks. (laughs) Four. And again, it's not that they were anchored by bad offensive line. They had Trent Williams manning the left side. So I can understand the sentiment for sure. But if anything, just just tells me that Russ, offensive line, Sean Payton, it's more important than ever that you make sure your quarterback stays up right. And guess what? The number one pass blocking offensive line in the NFL last year, the Kansas City Chiefs. And even Patrick Mahomes got injured last year. So this shows that it's so important for you to make sure that you're fortifying that position, even at the very, very top. I mean, you have to preserve and protect your investment, not to mention how much Denver has invested in Russell Wilson from a financial standpoint. It's going to be a big year for Denver, and it's a really big year for Russ because all eyes are on him this season. Was last year an anomaly? Was it just dysfunction? And I could tell you there was a lot of dysfunction as it pertains to the offense, the game plan, what was going on last season in Denver there's the adults are in the room around and I don't want to you know say that as to take a shot at Nathaniel Hackett I do want to say this about Hackett Hackett is a great coach he is a great guy that you know players want to be around however when it comes to like when you're losing games and you have to make tough decisions and you have to either bench guys move guys around Hackett didn't have those conversations in the way that he should have right because 
he didn't want to upset players. Like he wanted to, you know, uphold his status say, Hey, these guys view him as someone they can go to. Unfortunately, as we see in the brutal business, that is the NFL. It hardly ever works. If you're winning, nobody says nothing, right? We go back to the Russell Wilson office stuff that we knew in training camp. And it was like, Oh, he's got his own office. A lot of other quarterbacks around the NFL have their own office, but because of the fact that Russ got what he got played as bad as he did and had that everybody said, okay, Hey, what is up with this guy here? This is a big season for Wilson to turn things around. And in your opinion, I know there are a lot of people out there are saying, oh, they should just trade him. They should cut him. We know the financial implications of that. I do think after this season, this upcoming season, if Russ struggles, Denver, I think, will look towards a contingency plan in the future. They may not move on from him right away, but they may very well look with a first-round pick in the 2024 NFL draft. They may look at quarterback in a situation like that. Yeah, and, you know, the crazy thing about that is is that we really do need to see what he looks like without Hackett. And I think, to your point, I think Hackett has had some success in the NFL. But, honestly, Cody, his track record as an OC wasn't great before he took the job. Even, again, even if you don't want to say he was hired because they thought they were getting Aaron Rodgers, it was the Aaron Rodgers connection that got him the job in the first place, even though he individually hadn't necessarily shown true form as an offensive in mind. Now, again, we can say hindsight's 2020. Maybe we shouldn't have looked that deeply. We should have thought more deeply about the fact that he hadn't had a great track record. But George Payton took a chance, and it failed. The first Broncos head coach in their first year to be fired. Now, I mean, it took a catastrophic level year for the Broncos to get there. And then, obviously, the Christmas Day game versus the Baker Mayfield-led L.A. Rams. So I'm going to give Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt that it took one of the worst coaching seasons in the Broncos history for him to play as bad as he did. Hopefully with a mind like Sean Payton, with the offensive line and looks like the offensive weaponry around him getting better. I think that we can really expect a significant improvement from Russell or like you said, they're going to make plans to move on. I would be so shocked if Russ plays as bad, if not worse, next season. Like, I think the expectation right now is that he's going to play drastically better. Real quick, I want to give a shout-out to Joshua Alvey in the chat. He says, I'm sub to both of you guys. Glad to see Swipe talking Broncos. And, folks, yes, you're going to see Swipe talking a lot of the Denver Broncos this season. Not only is he going to cover the Denver Nuggets alongside Ryan Blackburn, I'm excited to share the floor with him to talk about all things orange and blue this upcoming season. It's going to be a big year for the Broncos, Sean Payton coming in, and things are changing. Sean Payton has made that very clear. And I'll tell you this, Swipe, this offseason since Payton has come in, there hasn't been any information getting outside of that building. And, you know, they're kind of controlling who gets what. And realistically, none of us local reporters are really getting anything. Uh, so this is a changing of the guard. It's going to be interesting because you and I, we're no strangers to creating content, right? We know how to create content. We know how to talk about things when nothing is going on. But there are a lot of people here locally that have a hard time creating content or talking about something of substance without the outrage when they're not getting information. So you get that here at Mile High Sports. Obviously here the Broncos Blitz podcast, a special off-season free agency episode right here. And also make sure you check out everything Swipe is doing on his YouTube channel. He's killing it. And uh, kind of shifting gears here, right, to the free agency part. We talked about, you know, the additions of Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. We talked about Ben Powers at left guard. Let's talk about the offensive line kind of as a whole right now. We talked about how many quarterback sacks were given up last year. At first, there were some rumblings about Garrett Bowles potentially being on the trade block. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case now. It looks like he'll be there at left tackle. You do have a guy replacing Riser now and Ben Powers, and you have Quinn Miners at right guard. Now you have Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. My question here pertains to center. Do you think 
Denver is going to go all in really on Lloyd Cushenberry, or do you think that they should make a move here in free agency? Because there's still guys, as the time we're doing this live show, you have Ben Jones of the Tennessee Titans who was released. He is set to be available. There's some other options out there as well. I know you have Luke Wattenberg who you drafted. I mean, what are your thoughts on the offensive line right now? Are you comfortable maybe with a Lloyd Cushenberry starting at center this year? Yeah, you know, I think that Lloyd has a lot of talent, but just the processing hasn't improved the way that you want it to so far. And again, what do I mean by processing? Well, it's communication. When you're playing center, you are essentially playing the quarterback of the offensive line, similar to how the middle linebacker does for the defense. You have to make sure you're knowing everything that's happening on the field. Where's the blitz coming from? Where's the protection need to slide to? What do you need to be looking out for? Can you tell them where the mic is? Like, you got to read everything. So sometimes watching Lloyd, he gets in a situation, and it seems like, Cody, maybe I'm tripping, like what he sees in front of him, he doesn't fully trust sometimes. And that's really dangerous when you have a quarterback who's six feet behind you who already has a couple injury concerns. So I wouldn't be surprised if they made an upgrade there. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't be surprised if they made an upgrade in the draft to really try to find a cheap, good, long-term option there at the center position. And I know the Broncos have looked towards that in the past, but I do think that might be a position they want to upgrade, given the fact that, okay, if you've got both of the tackle positions covered by, let's say, B-level tackles, then we want to make sure the interior is completely fortified. And right now, center is the only position I think that Broncos country is a little iffy about. Well, and the thing with Kush, as you mentioned, he is talented. He's super, super smart. I think the thing where he has struggled so far in the NFL is upper body strength, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, I think he's got good footwork. He's got good hips. But we have seen far too often so many teams, they'll put, you know, a defensive tackle either, you know, in a one technique where they'll play him in a zero. They'll slant across his face, bring an inside linebacker. Communication gets lost with the guard. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. bam, you have interior pressure coming in and hitting your quarterback. That has been a consistent issue so far throughout Lloyd's career. But what was interesting to me as well, he went out with that Jaguars game right before the bye week with a groin injury. He was healthy enough after a while because he went on IR. He would have been able to finish the season, but they did not activate him off of injured reserve. So to me, considering the offensive line towards the end of the year was a little bit of a turnstile, I was surprised about that. And that kind of told me, okay, hey, maybe Denver is not committed to Lloyd Cushenberry. As we currently see things playing out, I mean, he's still on the roster. They haven't made a move. This is just the first wave of free agency as well. So we expect some other deals to matriculate in, but they're not going to be big-time deals necessarily. I am definitely concerned about that, but also Denver lost Calvin Anderson in free agency to the New England Patriots. He signed a two-year deal. I talked to him last night on the phone. I congratulated him you know, on what he's been able to accomplish. He's been an under-the-radar guy. For me now, I'm a little concerned about maybe what the backup tackle depth is here for Denver in the event, let's say you lose a guy like Mike McGlinchey or Garrett Bowles yeah. to an injury. You know, you have guys like Will Sherman on the roster, you know, CU guy who's on the practice squad last year. I think you still need to find a way to get a veteran guy. So this could open up the door for a Billy Turner or a Cam Fleming return. Would you be on board with that? Or is there anybody else out there that maybe Denver should take a look at as a backup option? Man, Billy was the uh, ghost of Christian's past. Um, everybody was kind of hoping for that that Packard resurgence that he had, but he could just never stay on the field this last year. So here's my thing. You know, Mike McGlinchey last year was able to play all 17 games, had a quad injury, and you definitely are concerned about that. And, again, Cody, forgive me, forgive me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, Garrett Bowles had been very consistent in terms of staying healthy. He just was inconsistent when it came to hold and penalty. So when he got hurt last year, that was still a surprise. So I'm not – 
worried in terms of making sure that like we have somebody to back up because of injury concern, but I do think you still need one nonetheless. So if you can get Billy Turner or Cam Fling to come back on a deal to be a swing tackle, I think that would be great to fortify that. But I'm going to be honest with you. If one of those two go down again, I think you're going to run into a lot of the same issues you did then because you're tying up $17 million basically in both of your tackle positions. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. But, you know, it goes to show if you want to protect your your highest-paid quarterback, you got to have maybe one of the highest-paid offensive lines. It seems that George Payton and uh, Sean Payton are kind of operating that way, which is good because, I mean, you still have Quinn Miners right now on a rookie deal. You know, you have Ben Powers. He's going to get a lot of money. But, I mean, last year he was one of the better interior offensive linemen in the NFL. You know, we saw for Denver last year the emphasis was going to be a wide outside zone scheme they kind of threw that to the wayside, you know, a little bit right before the regular season and said, okay, hey, we're not going to run this because, you know, you deal with injuries. Javante's injury in week four was a big one there. This is going, going to be an entirely different look. I think it's going to be a gap scheme here, uh, zone blocking in a sense. And I think you have more guys. I think you're going to see more pulling guards here with Sean Payton and the Broncos this year. I just didn't feel like they had enough last year to pull the guard consistency in a, consistently enough. You lose Quinn Miners week one. You know, Dalton Reisner played all banged up last year. This is going to be a different Broncos offensive identity, I feel like, here in the rushing attack in 2023. We do have a question here in the chat from Christian Mercer. What kind of impact on our season last year did the injuries really have? What do you think we would have earned? Uh, how do you think we would have ended the season at with no injuries? This is a great question. There was a lot of ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball. It just looked like there was nothing that was meshing. Injuries play a role now. I'm eager for your thoughts on this to Christian's question. Yeah, I mean, then the Broncos, they were top three, I believe, players on injury reserve in terms of money. 21. Yeah, so oh, that's a lot, you know. So I think that, yes, absolutely it makes a difference. But I think now it's more commitment to scheme, personnel fit, and making sure that, again, I think as Cody talked about, making sure you do have some viable options in case you do have guys out with injury because football is going to happen. So I think it made a big difference on the long-term product of the season, and it's hard to get chemistry. And again, a lot of people, when you play football, playing offensive line is a lot like playing basketball. It's about developing chemistry and cohesion as the, series go, as the season goes on. So if you're not able to play next to a guy, but for more than one or two or three games at a time, it's really hard to get used to it because of the player movement, line changes, all that adjustment, cross face, blitz actions, all kind of different things. You just want to make sure you read that stuff well. So, yeah, I think it made a big difference. So hopefully – and again – with the strength and conditioning boost that they think they're going to have now, too. Hopefully, they're able to keep guys more healthy than they have been. Bo Lowry is coming in as the VP of player health and performance. I talked to an LSU player who played on that team back in 2020 when he was there, and they said that he is fantastic at what he does. And I know that the Walton Penner family ownership group, they even went to the NFL League office. They met with, obviously, uh, Dr. Seals to, to figure out, like, hey, what is going on with us? Um, I think there's, you know, I, a multitude of factors, you know, right? Obviously, Lauren Lando, that played a little bit of a role into it. But I also think that people overlook that, hey, training at elevation has an impact on you. You know, are you eating? Are you taking care of your body the right way away from the team facility? You know, these are also some other issues that are also on the guys. They're also on the players to take care of. But Denver is looking to solve that issue. Too many soft tissue injuries, the hamstrings, the quads. Speaking of that, right, we talk about injuries to kind of Christian's question here. I think one of the bigger ones last year in training camp, I remember watching it as it happened live. Tim Patrick made a fantastic play. I believe it was over Ronald Darby. Just came down and his knee buckled. He went down immediately. It just sucked the air out of Dove Valley. Though. Like everybody it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop on the field out there. The whole team gathered around Tim. 
Tim has attacked the rehab and recovery really, really strongly. But as somebody who's torn their ACL, I also know that, you know, there's times where you think when you're going out and you're jogging, you're running, or you're trying to run routes again, you think about planting, you think about cutting and that stuff can creep up, right? Even if Tim is making tremendous progress, I think we also have to temper our expectations. Like, Hey, it could be a little bit of a, you know, a climb up to get to where he's fully comfortable. And I think that's a big thing that leads us to our next question. There's trade rumors about the wide receiver position. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy have been linked to trade discussions for the past two weeks. Report coming out today saying along the lines that, hey, Jerry Judy, Denver wants at least a first round pick for him. Where are you at with some of this trade talk? Because I'll share my thoughts a little bit deeper on this whole wide receiver position and what I think Denver should do. But what is going on in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, we even have reports that Alan Lazard was being pursued by the Denver Broncos, which also goes to show you what they think of the depth that they have. You know, Cody, let's just be honest. Uh, Cortland Sutton hasn't quite looked like the same player that we saw in 2018 before he tore his ACL. He was on burgeoning to be an NFL star. I mean, PFF had him almost as a top 10 receiver that year. He was great in 50-50 balls, route running, everything seemed to be there. But ever since that point in time, Cortland just hasn't seemingly been as explosive. Now, again, that doesn't mean he can't get back to that level. It doesn't mean he can't still be an all-pro level player. But I think right now what Sean Payton is looking at, he wants to make sure that Russell has what he needs. And any person that doesn't fit that, unfortunately, you're kind of going on the trade block. And Cortland seemingly addressed this the other day on Twitter when he said he just wants to be somewhere that wants him. And I think that's obviously very hard for an athlete to go through. But ultimately, I think if the Denver Broncos are trying to get better, then they have to look everywhere. And I like Cortland. I like Jerry. Now, here's the thing about Jerry. I have said I think Jerry is a bona fide number one receiver. But Jerry, every time we want to see Jerry go, he has these crazy injuries. And whether it be the ankle uh, versus the New York Giants when he had like 83 yards and three quarters or whatever else it was, or whether even just be last year, he's had games where he basically just had to miss because of just little knickknack injuries or concerns about whatever. I think Jerry's incredible, and I understand why they want first-round value for him, because I do believe that if Jerry Judy has a full year in a good system, I think he's going to be a different kind of player. So I think he could be one of like the elite level to very good level receivers as well. So, again, with Tim Patrick coming back, having to be slow, with Cortland seemingly needing to get his production up, and then with Jerry's injury concerns that he now has, I think it makes a bunch of sense why they're looking to upgrade that position. But I do hope that they hold on to at least one of those guys. Well, I saw I saw something as well this week that Denver, they may look to trade Cortland for a day three pick, which in my opinion, that would not be worth maybe offsetting him for a day three pick. I mean, Denver, I get it. They only have five picks in this year's NFL draft. They don't have a first. They don't have a second. You have two premier third round picks. If you like one guy there, maybe you can use it. And if you want to trade one of those other picks to another team looking to move up, maybe you can acquire more back-end day three draft capital. To me, it's all about the opportunity cost, right? And I think the one thing we have not seen from the Broncos with this wide receiving core is we've never seen them healthy at the same exact time, right? You go back to 2020, Cortland tears his – oh, I mean, it started with a shoulder injury week one prior to the Tennessee Titans. He had like an AC joint injury in practice, missed that first game against the Titans, came back in that week two game, tore his ACL. We lost him on that one. And then, you know, you have Jerry as a rookie that year. You have Tim, who became pretty much the premier guy. And then you also have K.J. Hamler, who had a couple of big plays downfield, but wasn't as heavily incorporated into the offense the way that maybe he had hoped for for his rookie season. The next year, 
God, it's just another injury. KJ Hamler in that game against the New York Jets comes down, tears the ACL, has the hip injury. This is a point I want to make on KJ because I do see a lot of people on Twitter saying, hey, they just need to get rid of KJ. He's injury prone. I'll tell you this, KJ last year, the fact he was able to make as much progress as he was able to after going through, like he lost 70 pounds. Like that is unbelievable with that injury. You lose 70 pounds. It's tough to get back to where you were. He wants to play a little bit more. I think around the 185, 190 is something he told me a little bit before the season ended there. KJ was ahead of schedule a little bit, like a little bit too far ahead, more so than where mm-hmm. he should have been uh, in his recovery. And so that's where some of the soft tissue stuff happened last year. We did see it, though, in a couple of spurts last year, getting behind defenses. Denver might not win that game against the Jaguars if he doesn't catch that 44-yard pass down the right sideline. He has the explosive plays. I want to see him in there because he's not going to cost too much money against your salary cap this year. Mm-hmm. KJ is going to be fully healthy going into training camp, which is good. Cortland's going to be fully healthy going to training camp if he's not traded. Jerry as well. You have an opportunity to see these guys healthy. And my argument was if you're going to trade one of these guys, why not wait until you play throughout the, the first part of the season? You get to the NFL trade deadline. If these guys are balling, it increases their value. Whoever you want to maybe offset. To me, I felt like that would have been a little bit more fruitful for Denver in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I think that getting real assets in the draft is really important too. And again, you know, there is so much crazy value for receivers in the first two rounds. I mean, Cody, just 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 look a couple of years ago when Judy was drafted. <laughs> Henry Ruggs went first. Jerry Judy then, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, and then Brandon IU, and then you got T. Higgins, and then you got Michael Pittman. All in the first two rounds. So I think for the Broncos, they're like, look, you know, we don't want to trade this guy, but we get first-round value for Jerry Judy. I mean, there's some receivers this year at the top of that second round or the end of the first round that are excellent players. And so I think if they can find a way to get a Justin Jefferson light fit, which, I mean, what do you mean by Justin Jefferson's player? No, I'm not saying you're getting a top three receiver. But what you can get is a player that can come in immediately, fit the scheme, fit the system, and you could just build them up from there. Again, Cody, I seem to remember there was a player, I believe number 13, second-round pick, that went to the New Orleans Saints. What was his name? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. <laughs> Nobody thought he was going to do that. And then his rookie year comes out basically 100 catches, sets all these records, and for four straight years, he's a dog. So I think Sean Payton wants you to be able to come into the system, start from the ground up, learn a position, no injury concerns, cheap contract. I think that's what the vision is. Broncos country will take that as well. If it leads to more wins, if it leads to getting back to the postseason, that's the end game. That's the goal for the Broncos as they look to build with Sean Payton. We just want to say, hey, thank you so much to everybody for tuning into this special episode of Broncos Blitz here on Swipa's YouTube channel, Mile High Sports in partnership. You can expect more of us. We're going to get together at least once or twice a week to break down what's happening in Dove Valley. We always love that you get involved, so make sure you hit subscribe on these channels respectively for Broncos news content coverage. And you can also check out Swipe with Ryan Blackburn breaking down all things Denver Nuggets. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.